0: Hey Jason, it's TSN Hockey Insider, Bob McKenzie, and I wanted to wish you a happy
1: Festivus, and I thought maybe we could start with the airing of the grievances. You know what really bugs me? I retire, and it seems like everybody in the world thinks they're now a hockey insider. They go out and they start their own podcasts. Sound familiar? In any case, management wanted me to thank Sully, yourself, and Hump Dog for the
0: great job on the Ohio Hockey Digest pod. So keep up the great work, boys. I'll be listening, and I know Scott will, too. Take care. Welcome to episode 35 of On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast. The Ohio Hockey Digest is a foremost location for hockey in Ohio, covering every level played from youth in high school to juniors, college, and pro. Articles written to keep the hockey community up to date on all the happenings with hockey in Ohio. My name is Tim Sullivan. I'm joined by Jason Lewandowski and producer Dan Humphrey. With On Air, we are bringing you fresh content and adding voices, names, and faces interesting people making the Ohio hockey community better. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest On Air podcast is brought to you by the United States Premier Hockey League. The USPHL is the nation's largest amateur ice hockey league and the only league to span the continental United States and parts of Canada. The USPHL will field approximately 550 teams in 2020-2021, representing over 100 organizations comprised of 11,000 players spanning the ages of six through 20. Overall, across all of its divisions, the USPHL had more than 1,200 alumni playing college hockey in 2019-20 and more than 250 playing pro hockey, including in the NHL. Learn more at usphl.com. Well, it's been a few weeks since we did one of these uh, boys. Uh, If you remember, we pulled in management uh, last time we we were on. Uh, We had Mark Monroe of the Toledo Blade and Dave Papura from this week news to preview the Padua hockey uh, tournament, which was in keeping with the 2020 COVID pandemic canceled before we could even drop the puck or the episode. Uh, We want to thank Perry Cohagen, uh, the the Padua head coach for coming in to preview uh, this tournament. Uh, It was going to be a good tournament. However, uh, as is everything it's day by day. And on Wednesday uh, us coaches were notified Uh, For safety reasons, which, honestly, uh, nobody was upset with. We all agree that you have to be safe. And to keep for the safety of everyone in the arena, it was best to cancel. So, uh, even though the term was canceled, it was a great show talking to these three gentlemen about some of the top teams in Toledo, Columbus, Cleveland. uh, And maybe they would still make their way here to Cleveland uh, over the last few weeks uh, for different events, like the Father Wells Showcase at Winterhurst. Uh, and the Brother James Memorial Tournament uh, at Gilmore. Or just for independent games, when the tournament got canceled, a lot of the teams got together and said, let's continue to use this ice and let's just play.
1: Or, <clears throat> excuse me, for as, as good as the tournament is, uh, the circumstances obviously kept it from happening. However, as you said, the teams were still able to get together and play some quality hockey here in the area, which was great to see. Um, the conversation with Perry is always a good one. He's an entertaining uh, uh, talker. You know, we we spoke with him over the weekend when we saw him, uh, in a, a game and, uh, he said he had a good time. And I said, well, how can't you have a good time when everybody on the call is drinking wine? It's a good time all across the board. So he said he had a good time. It was nice talking to him. Uh, it's unfortunate that one of the best tournaments uh, of the year was unable to go off as planned. Um, but even speaking with Mark and Dave, I mean, I love talking to area reporters uh, away from our own area because I love the passion that they speak uh, with about their own local areas. It's just – it's good times.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and and, and I, I want to reiterate what you said. I mean, it, it always is, and it will continue to be uh, a premier hockey tournament, and uh, I want to just say what makes a premier hockey tournament uh is having to make premier and tough decisions and to cancel the tournament goes right in line with how well this tournament is uh respected and and run so i commend kevin lee the athletic director at, at Padwell high school and those members that were running that tournament to just say we have to do what's best for the people and the safety of people during this time because there will be more times that we can play and uh so kudos to those guys, as much as it, as it sucks to make those decisions. Now, uh, you know, the tough decisions are, are usually the right ones. So, uh, kudos to those guys, uh, today we're have another powerful, uh, show. I look forward to talking to a couple guys today. First, we're going to talk to Jeff Swerboda. Jeff is the beat reporter for, uh, the Columbus bluejackets.com. Uh, and with the camps going to be starting here soon, uh, we thought we'd get a, a little preview of what the Blue Jackets uh, have coming. Uh, He's going to provide some uh, news analysis and features about the organization. And then we kind of bring it back home, Jay. Uh, We get to talk to one of our longtime friends, uh, Chris Cogans, the head coach of the Rocky River Pirates. And uh, we're going to talk to Chris a little bit about uh, his adventure as a player, as a coach, uh, what Rocky River is doing, uh, how he's gotten his way through uh, this COVID pandemic. And know, some other things we'll talk about with Chris, and that'll be a, a really good conversation. So look forward to talking to those guys this week. Uh, we haven't done a show in two or three weeks, so I'm sure a lot has gone on. Uh, how has your holiday uh, three weeks been?
1: Daniel. Yes, sir. How, um, how has the holiday break treated you?
2: It has been good. I mean, The, I mean, you guys have been kept up on the, uh, the Humphrey antics over the holidays. Um, But other than that, I mean, we've just been laying low. Christmas was fun with the little one uh, because he's old enough, you know, to understand presents. Doesn't always know which one are his and which ones are for his aunts and uncles that should not be touched under the tree. And he continues to open them every single day and be amazed that it's a, calendar with muscle cars on it um (laughs) it's like roundhog day oh my gosh this again (laughs) but um i was telling sully before you know we were listening to some uh we had some little kid music nursery rhymes going on he asked if he's a a dancer and i said he's a dancer he's a singer and he has recently become a stripper does not enjoy uh wearing his clothes so there's well, time so'll uh lock himself in the closet and then he comes out and he's just butt naked running around
1: Well, hey uh like like father like son like son like father or whatever <laughs> well
0: what i mean? would tell you that there, there's a great rendition of a, a song i think it's a remake that the zach brown band sings and it's called free and uh that's that's he's
2: just free man he's just yeah. free
1: I mean, you yeah. can't blame him does he do no. the naked dance and everything and just Stands there and shakes and
2: yep, just lets comes it all out wiggle
1: around. Yeah, boy. Hey, hey,
2: knows how to say wiener now, so he just points at it. And goes,
1: <laughs> wiener, wiener.
0: JBJ. Before the show, uh, I said, "Dan, let, let me see Emmett real quick." So he, he put Emmett up on on the uh, on his lap, and and uh-huh. I said, "Hey, hey, buddy, can you can you sing a song?" And he just kept singing Tito's, Tito's. <laughs> I, I, I I believe there's a lot of uh, going back and forth between Daniel and 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 Mrs. Humphrey, grab another Tito's. Oh, grab yes. another Tito's. Oh yes,
1: the words they learn. I mean, when they when he when he's in school and uh, he has to do like his favorite drawing. I used to draw the picture of the Texaco oil company sign because that's what I remember driving by all the time when I was a kid. Well, maybe your son's just going to draw a bottle of Tito's and maybe his first <laughs> word's going to be Tito's. I mean, obviously I know he's talking already, but yeah. It happens. It happens. Well, that's awesome. Look what about on. you,
0: Jay? What about you, Love?
1: Ah, uh, it was nice. It was, uh, you know, social distance. It was quiet. It was the family, and that was it. And it was nice to be away for a bit. And it was good to still be able to go to the rink and and practice and play some games and as as normal as we can make it in a chaotic time. Man, it was it was good. How about for no, yourself? No,
0: no police chases or anything.
1: No, no, no. There was. Well, I told you about the one on the west side of Cleveland that that went down. Um I I did not see one uh, apparently the other night I missed one. A car chase.
0: Yeah, it was good. Yeah. It was that's good. What you
1: said. Um no, there were no, nothing out of the ordinary. It was there was no police chases, no uh turkeys flying into the house. There was nothing. It was, you know, relatively I, uneventful, which is shocking. I, I, I,
0: I think we should you know we're we're kind of getting more police blottery than we are a hockey show these days, you know. I know. I know. Everything's about that. Uh no, <laughs> about my, yourself. My, my holiday was good. Uh very different um you know as you guys know, uh you know my my father is is you know, fighting strong and uh so he didn't he, we 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 felt it was important with his current medical condition to not bring him around people for the holidays. So having uh Christmas morning to usually when my parents come over and, you know, my kids are older now, I mean, uh, but they still enjoy having their grandparents over here, but now, you know, we had to do it via zoom. And that was uh, not only different, but I think it was uh, frustrating for, uh, you know, my parents and, and especially my father, because, you know, he really enjoys being around the kids. So it was different. Uh, I've really enjoyed Uh, watching the World Juniors. That's been fun. It's been great. Um, I I told you guys this story the other day. New Year's Eve, uh, I put a pork roast in the crock pot with an entire bag of sauerkraut. Um, I was here alone. My family was in Florida, but I was here alone. So I came home and I watched the six o'clock Canada game and I had uh, some pork and sauerkraut because that's what you're supposed to do i i i'm told on new year's eve or new year's day for good luck so come on good luck because i really ate a lot of it and uh um and then throughout the night um by the time i went to uh, clean the crock pot up i noticed that i ate the entire pork roast and the entire bag of sauerkraut so you can only imagine for our listeners out there who like sauerkraut you can only imagine what the next couple days were like (laughs) Actually, the family
2: was happy they were in Florida.
0: Oh my gosh! Well, Danny, I had to share a sure bench with you the next day, so you know it wasn't it wasn't good, man. It wasn't good.
1: Yeah, smell you, smell you. <laughs>
0: it was. It, it, it tasted good, but it it was it, it wasn't good. So, but but other than that, you know, back at school today we record uh, on Mondays, so we're back in school. We had uh, uh, the high school I work at. We had a lot of kids come back. Uh, they forewent the remote learning, so we had. A hell of a lot more kids in the building, which was good to see. Um, I'm glad that the governor kind of relaxed some of his, uh, tracing and, and quarantining policy of the classrooms. Uh, so, uh, I, I think there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, it looks far away, but there is a light. So.
1: Yeah, it's definitely uh, faint. I do yeah. have one story for you. I forgot to tell you about the Christmas time. So a relative of mine, who will remain nameless, uh, decided to get my daughter a present. And it was very thoughtful of them and and very nice. And it was the reindeer from uh, Frozen, Sven. So what you need to know is the reindeer is roughly two and a half to three feet tall. My daughter can sit on it as if she's going to ride a pony. When you move the antlers, it makes noise. And if you put a carrot in its mouth, it says, can I have a snack, please? Okay. Funny, cute. My daughter loves it. Bananas over the thing. That needs to be transported home. And so I went from one side of town to the other back to my house with that reindeer in the backseat trunk of the vehicle. And as I'm driving, it's a snowstorm. And it was snowing pretty good that night. So it normally takes 35, 40 minutes to get home. This one took over an hour. I'm in the rear view mirror, staring at the eyeballs of a reindeer <laughs> and every bump, something hits the antlers. Oh, so as we're driving, all I hear is, can I have a snack, please? <laughs> ah, I'm like, if this was, if this was an eight hour drive, that reindeer would be on the side of the road. Or
0: would you just strap it to the front of the car or the back of the car?
1: I thought about the front. I. I thought about the front so the kids could watch what happens if a reindeer or a deer of any sort runs out in front of your vehicle. I thought that might, my, my wife thought that'd be a little too traumatic, but yeah, it may yeah, Every time I looked in the rear view, so the, the lights would be oncoming and it would shine off of me, and I'd look in the rear view, and there were the eyes of this, this beast. In fact,
0: oh, he just went up to get it. We're oh here. Oh, look at that thing. Hit hit the hit the antler.
1: There it is. Sorry.
0: Hit the hit the antler.
1: All right, come on. Hold on. Turn off it's on. It's not on, hold on. Some somebody figured out where the on off button was, and it wasn't me. There
3: it is. <laughs>
0: Yeah, we can hear it faintly. Yeah,
3: I'm sorry. Yeah. let's see if I can. Yeah.
0: Jay, it sounds like it sounds like some some weird stuff's going on in a farm at your house right now.
1: Most days, yes.
0: Can I can I ask a question? Would this have been uh, an uncle of your kids?
1: Yeah, that was him. Yeah. He's cute. Yeah. He's Funny. Yeah. He's got, he's got all the. Uh, he's got it all. They brought my, uh, he decided to get my son a, uh, battery operated pickup truck.
0: Lots of noise going on here. Oh, house, huh?
1: tons of fun. Tons of fun. That's what we're going for over here. Okay. Anyways. All right.
0: Well, as the calendar flipped to a, a, a year that I don't think any of us thought we'd ever get out of, uh, it's 2021. There's a lot of stuff happening in hockey. Let's see what's happening in the news of the Ohio Hockey Digest. NHL training camps open this week, and a regular season games start up January 13th. The short 10-day camp will not include any exhibition games. We will talk later in the show about some of the ways the season will be unique in addition to the schedule. But first, two of the NHL's biggest stars, Henrik Lundqvist and Jonathan Taves, will not be on the ice for, their, for different health reasons. Just over two months ago, after signing as a free agent with the Washington Capitals, Lundquist announced that after several weeks of undergoing tests for a heart condition, consulting doctors across the country and receiving test results, that he would not be able to play for the 2021 season. The longtime New York Ranger announced a few days later that he was actually going to undergo open heart surgery. Then, Taves announced he would not be in camp with Chicago. The Blackhawks captain released the following statement. This offseason, I've been experiencing symptoms that have left me feeling drained and lethargic. I'm working with doctors so I can better understand my condition. There is no timetable for Tave's return to the ice. We wish both those guys good luck in their medical uh, adventures here.
1: The crazy thing about Lundquist, and I was reading the other day, was that he's had a heart condition his entire career, and it wasn't until like the last six to eight months that it started to get really bad. So, uh, like you said, uh, all the best to both those guys. The Columbus Blue Jackets agreed to a two-year extension with Pierre-Luc Dubois in time to get the star center in Columbus for the beginning of training camp. Despite the agreement, which will pay Pierre-Luc Dubois $10 million over two years, there are rumors that Dubois still wants a trade out of Columbus. It would be a huge blow to the team if he were to go the way of Artemi Panarin and Sergei Bobrovsky. Maybe we can get some insight on this story from our first guest, Jeff Sobota here in a little bit.
0: Speaking of trade requests, Columbus native Jack Roslovic, a former AAA Blue Jacket who played at Miami University, has asked the Winnipeg Jets for a trade. Roslovic, 23, is about to enter his fifth pro season and is unhappy with his limited role in Winnipeg. What, you, what do you guys think? I mean, would he look good in a Blue Jackets jersey?
1: I think he would. I think that, you know some some guys go some places and it just doesn't work. For whatever reason, whatever philosophies, whatever's going on, some guys just don't work in certain places. Maybe this is a situation where it, it isn't working for him, obviously, he's not happy. And maybe the change of scenery, moving back home or back to an area he's familiar with would uh, would help him out. Maybe even spur him on to, to a career year. Moving on to the college game. The Bowling Green Falcons are ranked number 7 in the country according to US College Hockey Online. BG has lost just one game this season, a two to one loss to Mercyhurst on December 5th. Dating back to last season, the Falcons have lost just one of their last 21 games. They are 18, one and two in that time span.
0: Wow, that's impressive. Good on them. And Miami won their first two games since leaving the pod in Omaha, Nebraska, sweeping a pair of games from Western Michigan university in Kalamazoo, three to one and five to one Red Hawks, freshman goaltender, Ludwig Pearson was named the National Collegiate Hockey Conference goaltender of the month for December. For the season, Pearson has a 4-2-1 record with a 1.13 goals against average a .963 save percentage and a pair of shutouts. This is perfect timing to speak with our first guest. With the NHL finally gearing up to play a shortened season, Jeff Swoboda is getting ready to kick his coverage off of the Columbus Blue Jackets into the higher gear. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest on Air podcast is brought to you by the United States Premier Hockey League. The USPHL has five teams in the Ohio Hockey Digest coverage area: Columbus Mavericks, Toledo Cherokee, Wooster Oilers, Lake Erie Bighorns, and the Fort Wayne Spacemen. Learn more at usphl.com. Our next guest on air it's Jeff Swoboda. Jeff is an Ohio native that was a staff writer at Buckeye Sports Bulletin and sports editor at the Toledo Blade, and now covers the Blue Jackets for bluejackets.com, providing news, analysis, and features about the organization. Please welcome to on-air Jeff Swoboda. Welcome, Jeff. Glad to be here. Well, thanks for taking the time to talk to a little, talk to us about the, uh, the Blue Jackets and what they have uh, coming here. I mean, games are scheduled to start on the 13th. So uh, we're going to talk a, lot, a little bit about that. But first of all, tell us and our listeners about your background. You're from the Cleveland area, correct?
3: That is correct. Yeah, I'm from the west side, Lorraine native.
0: There you go. Um, so tell us your background and how did you get into sports writing?
3: Uh, well, a lot of luck and knowing the right people was the answer I think you get from pretty much anybody that gets into sports writing. Um, it's something I always wanted to do from the time I was a kid. Uh, I, you know, I kind of had a sense I probably wasn't going to be a professional athlete and that was born out, uh, being 5'6 and generally uncoordinated. Uh, so it was something I always wanted to do. Uh, graduated from high school and went to Ohio State to study journalism. I uh, was lucky enough there to, to do all sorts of fun things like you know, school newspaper and student radio and things like that. Uh, had a lot of fun doing those types of things and then got a job. You mentioned Buckeye Sports Bulletin there, kind of my background. Uh, when I graduated, was lucky enough that there had to be, happened to be an opening in Columbus covering Ohio State athletics. Everything from football to hockey, uh, men's and women's hockey, to all the way down to synchronized swimming, uh, you name it, I covered it. Uh, did that for about 10 years. And uh, again, got lucky that I had some friends up in Toledo. Uh, there was an opening there that I, I started there, just doing digital stuff for them, uh, basically making the website look pretty, posting stories, basically grunt work, essentially. Um, went to a lot of walleye games up there. <laughs> um, and then there was an opening for a sports editor. So uh, I threw my hat in the ring and was lucky enough to get it did that for a year. Uh, but always wanted to get back to columbus it's kind of even though i'm from the cleveland area columbus to me uh really became home when i spent those 10 years after college uh, here so ended up you know kind of looking for jobs looking for jobs and then that's where the luck came back in and uh, there was an opening with the blue jackets for this job and, and i happen to know a lot of people with the organization just from having lived in columbus i knew a lot of the media just from having been a media person in columbus and so kind of had this connections there. came down and applied and got the job and it's been two years now about 25 months and it's it's been a blast. Uh, you know, I always wanted to cover hockey and make that a, a living, and you know, did that with Ohio State on the college level, but not quite as big a stage. But now to come do with the Jackets has been, in a lot of ways, a dream come true. It's been so much fun. It's such a great job, and I really enjoy it. So, uh, and hopefully, I'm good at it. I, I like to think I am, but I, yeah. I, I hope that's the case. No, you well, are. You are. Well, well,
1: there's definitely good excitement in your voice. I have one question before we continue on on our questions of how how difficult or how easy was it to write about
3: synchronized swimming? <laughs> well you know it's weird is covering all the different sports I covered you know you cover football or you cover hockey and there's like things that happen in the game you can write about there's strategy and there's like a team scores or a team does this or a team does that then you go cover things like swimming and it's or synchronized swimming and you're like i Really, you know, swimming, they swam, and then one person swam faster. Like, what do you say? That? Right. <laughs> and same with synchronized swimming. No one really knows what happens. And so uh, it, it's it's different, but you learn, you figure out how to do it, I guess. Uh, and that was honestly some of the most fun I had at Ohio State. You know, you can't beat covering football and going to the Sugar Bowl and going to New Orleans and going to all these great bowl games. But I had so much fun covering the sports like hockey and, and swimming. I, I met a lot of swimmers who were a heck of a lot of fun, you know, soccer, things like that. Uh, that was some of the most fun I had just because they have a lot more personalities and, and especially being a younger person, when I was doing that, they were a lot like me. So, uh, you know, I got a lot of good friends doing that kind of stuff as much as I did covering football. So uh, it was always a lot of fun to me. That's for sure. That's cool.
1: So you, you've had some more traditional media roles in the past, but currently you're the team reporter for the blue jackets. Could you explain your role as a member of the media, but also as a team employee, like how, how does your coverage differ from a traditional beat writer?
3: That is a good question, and it's something that I, I was a little curious about when I took the job. I'd always been, you know, at an outlets that were not necessarily tied to the, you know, the organization that you're covering, uh, and so that that is a change, and that is different, and that's something we've seen a proliferation of actually here over the last uh, number of years. Is that you know it used to be, you know, there wasn't my job didn't exist ten years ago, uh, so it's a, it's a new experience for a lot of journalists. We've seen a lot of people as you look around the media landscape who've gone that direction. But one thing I will say. Uh, you know the team has been great to me uh over the you know the two years that i've done this is you know there haven't been really any stories that i've been working on that they've said hey don't write that you know and there is a certain amount of you know i am employed by the team uh and that does impact my ability to report on things like trades and things before they come out uh you know pr announces those and so i'm not really breaking news in certain ways at certain times uh that a traditional writer would be asked to do uh so that that's a different a change a little bit um but like I say there there hasn't you know the the biggest question people always have is like oh do they tell you what to write or they tell you what not to write uh which is just as big a question as telling you what to write uh but honestly they they really give me the the freedom to to write about things and obviously you know to to do a recent example of that obviously there is a situation going on with Pierre-Luc Dubois uh you know that the organization you know it, it it is what it is as far as you know uh his future with the Blue Jackets and, and they you know there was no hey don't talk about this don't write about this uh you know over the weekend when he came and spoke uh, about his future plans and what's going on with him so uh, there is a, a lot of freedom there and, and really it, it really hasn't differed too much from what my job was uh in different places uh and so uh, I would say it hasn't been a huge transition overall um and, you know, there's certain things you know working for the team you have to be cognizant of but by and large it's the same job that I've always had and, and I appreciate the people at the Blue Jackets that have really given me the opportunity uh, to, to not feel like I have somebody looking over my shoulder the entire time, uh, which is nice. Do you, do you get to travel with the team? I do most years. Uh, I have the last two seasons. we uh, will not be doing that this year because of the pandemic, uh, which is just a, a sacrifice you have to make. That's kind of we're all in different boats right now. Uh, but, yeah, previously, uh, the previous two seasons I did travel, and, and that, you know, certainly one of the perks of the job, uh, you know, for sure. <laughs> you know, I remember there was a day last year, it was it was in December, we woke up in Florida. Uh, and our hotel that for that trip was right on the beach in Fort Lauderdale. So we woke up and had breakfast right along the beach. And then we flew to Washington DC and I walked down and I went to the white house and went to the national Christmas tree and all that stuff. And it was like, what other jobs do you have that you get to do something like that? So, uh, yeah. you know, that's absolutely one of the perks of the job. And I will certainly miss that this year. I can guarantee you that. But <laughs> well, well, have you, have you ever written something and
1: you know, it was, it was full honesty, full disclosure, and you happen to be walking through nationwide and, you might've caught the eye of uh, one John Tortorella that
3: maybe he didn't care for the way something was said. Torts, I've not had any issues with, and I don't know that Torts, frankly, I have no idea if Torts has read a single thing that I've ever written, uh, to be honest with you. And I I think Torts, he gives off that that very prickly media vibe, but I think he's pretty fair by and large, and he's not as as tough to deal with as I think people imagine him to be. Um, But I also don't know how much he really reads. He might read Aaron you know 40 more than me just because of their long standing relationship um but there have been you know that that's part and parcel of the job is that there are certain people that have had issues with things I've written. Um, there have been some with the blue jackets I, I won't name any names because I don't want them to you know I don't want to out them and you hash it out and you go from there uh, and just go about you know you figure it out and as long as you feel. Uh, you know you let them say their piece and then you say your piece and usually it's, it's over at that point point. and so you know nothing that's kept me up at night certainly uh, nothing that's really ever been a huge issue but you know that does happen especially you know we play 82 games and you're in the you know well not this year we're not in the locker room every day but you know you're, you're around them every day you know by and large there's going to be things that do come up but you know I also by and large uh you know it's a pretty friendly understanding group and if you if something does come up you talk about it and you go go on to the next thing that's cool
0: so it's been a crazy 10 months, uh, obviously. Um, yeah, I guess I'm just going to kind of, I don't know, shotgun some questions at you. Were you able, were you able to be in the bubble?
3: Was not able to be in the bubble. That was okay. just like this year. There was a very, there was, it actually comes down from the league. You could only take certain people to the bubble this year. We can only take certain people on the road and that's just the way it is to kind of keep, make sure the the virus, you know, the fewer people, the less chance it has to spread. So that's the way they're sure. going at it.
0: Sure. What's your thoughts on the 50 game 56 game season?
3: I'll take hockey any way we can get it at this point. And that's the way, you know, and at some point you want to get back to a normal schedule. You know, you don't want to have to keep being in this weird scenario where, you know, when's the season going to start, things like that. And we anticipate being back to somewhat normal life at some point within the next year or two. And so, you know, to get this season in and try to get back to an October start, you had to go with 56 games. And so I think it'll be fun. It's going to be different. You're going to have rivalries that you didn't have previously. Uh, You know, you're going to have eight games against each other. So, I mean, as Nick Foligno said, you know, in his first interview, you know, and I asked him about the schedule and he said, we're gonna, I'm probably going to spend more time in the penalty box because we're going to hate each other by the time you play your eighth game. Yeah, and I think that's going to be fun hockey because of that. So, you know what, you make the best of it. And uh, I think they've the NHL's done that. And I think it's going to be fun, actually.
0: So for our listeners that are unaware of the realignment and the fact that teams will only play within their division, uh, can you tell our listeners what teams of Blue Jackets will be going up against?
3: Okay, yeah, let's do. Let's see if I can do this off the top of my head. Uh, we've got Chicago, Detroit, uh, Carolina, the two Florida teams, so the Panthers and the Lightning, and then two teams from the West that we wouldn't normally play. Um, it is Nashville and um, who's the other one? Dallas. Um, okay. Originally, the thought was maybe Minnesota, but they ended up with Nashville and Dallas. So uh, you know, it's it's weird because it's three teams and Nashville. Um, Chicago and Detroit that were in the central division, the Blue Jackets started in. So those are like old rivalries. You know, Blue Jackets, Blackhawks, Blue Jackets, Detroit, and, and Blue Jackets, Nashville, when the Jackets just couldn't beat Nashville, for a long time, those were pretty big rivalries. And now they haven't been as much over the last couple of years. Those are going to come back a little bit this year. Uh, And I think kind of the old school blue jacket fans are really excited about that. So, uh, and I'll tell you what though, you talk about not being able to travel this year. Uh, The fact that I'm not going to be able to go to Tampa and Florida as much, and that's that's going to be a little bit of a bummer. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. And heck Nashville, that's one of the best trips of the year. I'm going to miss that one too. Sure. So
0: we, we talk a lot about, uh, you know, practice squads and taxi squads and all that stuff. Any idea how Columbus will approach their taxi squad?
3: It is interesting because as you look around the league, teams are going to use it for salary cap purposes in a lot of cases, because the person that's on the taxi squad is essentially being paid their AHL salary. Uh, And so you're going to see teams uh, because taxi squad members can still practice and are basically still on the team. They just are there because of the pandemic purposes. Like teams that are right up against the salary cap, they're going to be sending guys up and down every day Uh, because, you know, if you can send down a guy for a day, and pay him his AHL salary for a day, and that adds up throughout a season. Uh, that that helps your salary cap, and so teams like Toronto and Montreal are going to be in that situation. The Blue Jackets will not quite be in that situation as much. They've got some salary cap wiggle room, at least right now. Uh, you know, certainly that can change if any moves are made. Uh, so that's not something that the the Jackets may or may not have to do. Now, you know, in a pandemic where you know you're not making revenues like you would want to, maybe you do that a little bit just to save some money here and there. Uh, but, you know, Yarmulke Kekalina was asked about it, the, uh, you know, as camp started here and, you know, it is an interesting spot if you're the Blue Jackets, because it, if you're looking at young players and them developing, you know, do you want to have a young player that's just on the taxi squad and not playing all that often? Right. Uh, and the answer is probably not, you know, in the AHL likely not starting until February 5th, uh, you know, and if they start then, you know, would we better offer that young player to be playing every night down in Cleveland? Uh, just to get, you know, more and more games, even if he's one of your best, you know, it's a four to six person taxi squad. So, you know, if you got a young guy who's one of your best 25, but he's not one of your best 20, uh, you know, do you want him on that taxi squad or do you want him down in Cleveland where he's playing on a regular basis? So uh, it, it's going to be unique that it, people are going to use it and teams are going to use it for all sorts of different maneuvers. Uh, some teams will leave spots so they can have those guys go up and down. Uh, I think the jackets will probably use it in a more traditional sense to just have those players available. Um, but I mean, you're just going to have to see how it goes because we've never had anything like this in the NHL. So it's, it's, it's a new world. And so teams are going to use it in different ways. Uh, and so I you know, wouldn't be surprised to see some of those young guys on, in Columbus that maybe, uh, and I wonder, maybe, you know, a guy like Liam Foodie, uh, the first round draft pick two years ago, you know, might it make more sense for him to be in Cleveland at 20 years old playing every day, rather than being in Columbus and playing every, you know, fourth game or whatever, uh, you know, and that's just a, throwing a name out there. Right? He might be a guy that's in the regular roster, who knows? Um, but it, it's it's going to be really different and really unique, and, and everybody's going to use it differently, and, and we'll see how the Blue Jackets do it.
0: So you mentioned the Monsters uh, are scheduled to start uh, on February 5th. Is the Columbus ECHL uh, affiliate operating?
3: Uh, the Blue Jackets actually do not have an ECHL affiliate. Um, okay. As odd as that is, some teams don't, and Columbus is one of those because there's just so – you know, if you need to send a guy to the ECHL, you, you know you can find a place to send them and a team that'll be willing to do it. But um, it, just because there's so few, you know, there's so few prospects that, that you know come out of that level, that's just the kind of the way it is, which is weird. I say that coming from a former newspaper sports editor in an ECHL market. Uh, it, it's yeah, it, but it's just kind of a unique setup there, I guess, the way that that kind of works out.
1: Gotcha. So Jeff, you recently profiled all 41 players invited to training camp. Was there any new information on a player that jumped out of you?
3: Ooh, that's a good question. I would say not necessarily because I mean, I kind of have a good sense of who most of these guys are. Um, and it was just, you know, kind of a paragraph on each guy. So I I wasn't going on a deep dive, um, too, too much. Uh, one thing I did do, uh, last year, and I'll see if I have the time to do this this year is when they actually named the 23 person roster, I kind of do like a, here's what this player's role was going to be story. And then I include like a random fact about that player that people may or may not know. Um, and I'll have to see if I do that again this year because that was kind of fun last year. Just because you know there there are some random facts about these guys that a lot of people may or may not realize. I'm trying to I can't really think of necessarily one off the top of my head, uh, but you know there there's just you know you just never know about you know what some of these guys get into. And and we kind of inside the organization and they fill out bios for us so that we have some info on them, uh, so that we can do you know when we kind of do these promotions and things like that how we can kind of target uh, guys for the right situations. Uh, um, off the ice. And so I kind of get a chance to go through those and see different things. You might, you know, maybe not know about guys and can kind of learn about guys. One thing I didn't really realize about the team last year when I went through them, um, you know, so many of them are like huge fans of tennis or even pickleball. I know Yarmo plays pickleball all the time. Cam Atkinson is playing it this summer. Uh, they're all into racket sports. They all love like, you know, Roger Federer and Djokovic and all this stuff. I had no idea that a lot of these guys are tennis guys. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I might write a story about that down the road. Maybe who knows? I don't know if it'd be interesting or not, but it's something I didn't know.
1: That's something definitely interesting for sure. So I, as the way I understand it is uh, training camp rosters were limited, but you could have a, any number of goaltenders you wanted in camp. Columbus I only was, has four. Is that correct? That? I said Columbus only has four in camp. Is that Columbus correct? only has four, correct. So they'll keep three in Columbus. So, so will they still need to sign a goalie
3: for uh, Cleveland? That is a, a good question. I've been kind of meaning to get to the bottom of and, and been a little busy here with camp starting because as of right now, yeah, they don't really have anybody to be in Cleveland except for Brad Thiessen, who is, you know, basically the player coach goalie that they've had there the last couple of years. Uh, the two guys who are probably going to be there this year uh, are both overseas right now and, and getting more playing time over there. Danil Tarasov, uh, third round pick a couple of years ago is is in his hometown in Russia. Um, and then Vaney Vevelainen, who was in Cleveland last year is in his hometown in Finland, which Kind of funny that both of those guys were able to end up in their hometowns. that They actually have hockey teams in their hometowns, but I think both of those guys are staying over there uh, for the rest of the year. So I I think they would have to sign somebody. And and that's something I've been meaning to ask if they were planning to bring Vaney back over just because they weren't sure about the AHL season. Um, And once, you know, now that that's been announced, if that plan was coming, if they were going to move him, or if he was just going to stay there. So that is something I will have to get to the bottom of, but you know, if it works out that way, then yes, Columbus would have to bring in another goalie to be down in uh, down Cleveland.
0: Nice. So speaking of the monsters, how, do you get up to Cleveland uh, to see the monsters? And, and how many games do you attend in person?
3: I try to go once a year. It's hard because obviously, you know, with the Blue Jackets, we're playing on a, you know, basically, basically every other day basis uh, during the regular season. So it's kind of hard to find the time, uh, but I do like to go up to Cleveland at least once a year to, to see a game, just kind of see how the, you know, how everyone's doing, how the players are developing, uh, you know, talk to the coaches about, You know, the guys who are kind of maybe on that borderline of, you know, the prospects that are really good prospects who are there and and when we might see them and what they're learning down at the, you know, that AHL level. So I try to go once a year. I was quite excited last year. uh, I got to go up for what was Cleveland Lumberjacks night. And I grew up going to Lumberjacks games as a, you know, a a young kid in the Cleveland area. So I kind of got to see the old uh, teal jerseys. Uh, It was basically like my childhood playing out there, which was kind of (laughs) neat. So I I like to at least go up there once a year. Hopefully it's during a cool promotion. Uh, That makes it a little bit more fun um and i you know i wish i could see them more often but it's just you know you, you know on a day off it's, it's kind of hard to fit it in your schedule sometimes you know they're close but i you know if they were a little closer it would be a little easier but you know that's a that's two hours of each way and, and stuff like that and i like to go to a morning skate if i'm up there as well just because you know you get a chance to get the guys in a little bit more of a relaxed setting so uh but you know any chance i get i, I do try to take advantage of it because you know you, that, that's the future and uh just kind of like to see how those guys are doing
1: is there anything better than a minor league crowd
3: <laughs> You're absolutely right. And, and I tell you what, the one I, I liked the most was Toledo of the ones, uh, you know, I grew up in, in Cleveland plays in that big, you know, Gund- you know, not, not Gundarina anymore, but what's it called now? Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. You know, yeah. it's basically playing in an NHL building. Uh, you know, when I was in Toledo, I love going to walleye games because it was an 8,000 seat building and they were pretty much full every night. I mean, a great fan base there in Toledo. I know you guys talked to Mark Monroe recently with the Blade, uh, one of my former writers there at the Blade. So I was, I was you know, shout out to Mark Monroe. Um, but you know, I always loved going to, a uh, uh, walleye games when I was up there. Cause that's a crowd, you know, that that's a real hockey crowd going to those games. And so, yeah, I totally agree with you. I, you know, I, and I grew up on minor league hockey. I grew up on college hockey. So uh, anytime I get a chance to go back to those, I love going to a game at Ohio state. If I can fit it in my schedule, unfortunately, we don't have any prospects there anymore with Carson Meyer, uh, graduating, but you know, anytime I can go kind of back to the roots, it's always a lot of fun.
1: I always like when uh, the public address announcer announces one minute left in the game and everybody yells, thank you. Yeah. You know, they <laughs> say thank you or it's an official timeout and they yell what official uh, that's just entertainment at its best. All right. We got to get back to business. I apologize. The uh, Max Domi trade. Do you think Domi will be effective center a number two center here in Columbus? And do you think it was a good deal?
3: I think so. It's funny. I was actually talking with somebody the day the trade was made, which was uh, the first day of the NHL draft. Um, And we were on the phone kind of just chatting about the team. And we were like, you know, what do you do with Josh Anderson? Uh, You know, because he was in that, you know, he was an RFA uh, after last year coming off the injury. And we were just kind of talking about it. And we just got to the point where like, you know, it just makes too much sense to trade him for Max Domi. The Blue Jackets needed a center. Josh was just, you know, he had kind of a history with the Blue Jackets as far as contract negotiations and, you know, coming off an injury, just not exactly knowing what you're going to get out of him. And it was like, and nothing against Josh, who I think is a hell of a player and and a unique, he's a unicorn in the NHL anymore with his size and speed. But we are just talking about it, like it just makes sense to trade this guy uh, for what you need, which was a center. And then, you know, Max Domi, that trade, we're just like, God, this trade makes perfect sense. And then an hour later, they made the trade. So <laughs> was, the timing of it was pretty incredible. So I, you know, I think it makes a heck of a lot of sense. I, I think this team needed help at center. Uh, you know, it, it just was time to shore up the center spot. And they did that, not just with Domi, but with Miko Koivu. Um, but but that was what this team, you know, it was a whole, it, it really was. And I think Domi is going to be a guy that's going to be motivated, you know, just because of the fact that he was traded. Uh, I think it kind of ended on a sour note in Montreal. I think he wants to prove to the league that you know he was a 72 point player um, in 2018, 19. And last year he was, I think right about a 50 point pace. Well, I think he views himself as more a 70 point player than a 50 point player. And I think he wants to show the league that, that that's what he's all about. You know, he's got an opportunity here to, to you know, a fresh start can kind of uh, introduce himself to a new fan base and, and kind of show what he's all about. Uh, I, I just get that sense that he's going to be a really good addition and kind of what this team needed. He plays with an edge which the blue jackets do in general, but I think he's going to add to that. I think he can help the power play, which, you know, if you've watched the blue jackets, you know, they can need that. They can use that help. So I think he was the right guy to bring in. Um, And, you know, time will tell, but uh, at this point, I think it's the right guy. You know, I watched the first day of practice and he skates in, you know, it's a drill. So there's not defensive pressure or whatever, but just the ease that he's able to you know, take that, you know, handle that puck, put it on his backhand and just roof a shot, you know, from in close with the goalie right there. Uh, and he's got that elite skill and that creativity that that this team needs I think and so looking at it you know before the season I think it was you know a move that's going to pan out you know quite famously for for Columbus
1: you think he has that he seems he seems to have that blue collar uh mentality if you will i mean he's, he's a workhorse he's he's always you know busting his tail scrapping. he has that blue collar mentality
3: that Columbus is about I think so. And, and, you know, he's Ty Domi's son. So you'd think he'd have that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think he was born with that. You know, certainly or taught it at a very young age. And so, yeah, and all the the talk so far is when he's like exactly what this team is all about. I mean, he's feisty. He plays hard. You know, he'll, he'll get on your skin a little bit. He's a blue collar guy. Uh, and so, yeah, I, th- I think he was the the perfect trade, at, you know, a player they needed at a spot they needed it. So, you know, time will tell. I think in Montreal, I'll say it did end on a little bit of a sour note. It seemed like. Uh, not being up there, but just the way, you know, the, the reading the reports from out of there. Um, and so who, you just never know how things are going to go. But as you look at it right now, I think it was, it was the right trade for the Blue Jackets.
0: So we've talked earlier in the uh, the podcast about uh, the Pierre-Luc Dubois uh, contract negotiation slash trade request. Uh, we've seen this before, most recently with Panarin and uh, Bobrovsky. Uh, could he be on his way out of Columbus before the two years is over?
3: Uh, you know, that's a, at this point, a, well, I guess a $5 million question because that's the the contract he just signed. Uh, so we'll we'll have to see what happens. Um, you know, it's certainly, it, it is a situation at this point. I mean, nobody denied it. You know, the, the reports of, you know, him putting in a trade request came out. You know, he had the, you know, he talks to the media the first day of training camp and does not shoot them down. Didn't want to talk about it, but did not shoot them down. And so that leads you to believe that there is, you know, there is some fire to that smoke. And so what will happen? Remains to be seen, uh, you know, Jarmo Kekalainen is a guy I don't think is going to make a trade for the sake of making a trade. I don't think most NHL GMs would, but certainly not Jarmo if you know anything about him. Uh, and so he, I don't think he's going to feel forced to make a move um, and unless the situation really deteriorates. Um, you know, PLD says he's going to come and, and, you know, play and be the best teammate possible. Um, and, and if he's not, that also hurts his value. So he, he has every reason to come and play as, as hard as he can. So it, it, it remains to be seen. Uh, I can't predict the future. Um, it does seem as though, you know, for whatever reason, uh, you know, he hasn't really outlined them. Uh, so I don't want to speculate on what they might be. Um, but it does seem that he has you know, come to a conclusion that he'd like to be somewhere else at some point. Uh, so I think that, you know, when a player gets to that decision, I think they generally do end up somewhere else at some point. Uh, it's just a matter of when and when the right deal comes along, you know, if the blue jackets do want to end up trading him, uh, uh 20 some year old center who's making $5 million a year and can be a number one center is a pretty darn attractive trade chip. So I think the blue jackets have the, you know, it's not like they're dealing from a bad hand if, if they get to that point. So uh, we shall see, I don't think a move is going to happen in the next 10 days. Certainly. I don't think it's going to happen before the season or in the first half of the season, or maybe even this season. But as you look down the road, you know, if, if it's a situation where he wants to be somewhere else, then, uh, you know, it could very well happen. Yeah.
0: As a coach, as a teammate, as a general manager, you now have a player who is a top-end player, who pretty much has verbalized in somewhat words, that doesn't want to be there. I mean, <laughs> at some point, there's got to be some reservation from all the above. Like, okay, is my line mate really out here to play hard? And like you said, you know, he's got to he's got to earn his worth for sure if he wants to get traded. All right, so you would think that would be an extra motivator. However, I mean, if you're Tortorella and you're on the, on the, on the bench, do you have in the back of your mind, is he giving me all he's got?
3: Yeah, it's tough. And it's human nature to wonder that, you know, I, you, I I would not blame anybody if they, you know, came to that conclusion, you know, just be, or just to that, you know, even if not conclusion, but it being in the back of their head, I guess you could say, and, you know, but I'm not also blame a player, you know, if a player is truly unhappy and that's the way he honestly feels, then it's also his right to kind of say, you know, I'm unhappy here or I want to be somewhere else, whatever the situation may be. So, so it is difficult though, because, and the thing that's tough for this Blue Jackets team is you had this situation in a little bit of a different way, but kind of a similar situation two years ago where you, you basically played that entire 2018, 2019 season, knowing that Artemi Panarin and Sergey Bobrovsky were not going to recent contracts when their contract was up. And that was over, you know, as much as they talked about that, that didn't affect them all year you know, it was a situation they had to deal with all season. You know, they, they talked about it. They came into the year and knew what the situation was. And then, you know, they talked about it and got it out in the open and tried to address it head on, which I think is the best way to handle those things. um, And tried to just get it behind them as much as possible, but it was still there. You know, as you got closer to the trade deadline is, you know, is he going to be traded? Are these guys going to be traded? There was so much talk there and you just couldn't ignore it by at the end of the day. And so, as much as you can sit here and say, we're going to get past it, we're going to get past it, it's still going to be there in some way, shape, or form. And, you know, people like the media, such as me, uh, you know, is going to bring it up at some point because there's going to be a trade deadline and there's going to be, you know, reports that get out and whatever it may be. And so it's just such a difficult situation that as much as you talk about, okay, we're just going to put our heads down and handle it as best as possible, it's going to come up at times. And, And it's unfortunate for the Blue Jackets right now just because of the fact that you got this, what I think is a really good young team that, you know, has learned how to win these last couple of years and has a lot of players coming into their prime. You know, Seth Jones's and Zach Wierenski's and, and even Pierre Luke and, and guys younger than that even, uh, a great young core. And, and the pieces to, I think, be, a, you know, a pretty good contender this year. And now you've got this situation over you that, that you just can't help but wonder about. And so it's tough. It is tough. And, you know, it, I hate to say it is what it is, but sometimes you just kind of have to throw your hands up and say it is what it is because it is something that they're probably going to have to deal with uh, at times this season. And so it is what it is.
0: So, so real sorry, quick, Jay. I'm sorry.
3: Yeah,
0: so yeah, no. Question for you in the media, okay? And I know you're you're different realm because you work for the Blue Jackets, and and but PLD has a slow start. His first seven games, he gets. Come on, <laughs> you know you. We all know what's going to
3: yeah. happen. Yeah, I mean it'll be out there, and you know people who are, as you said, it, it is a little bit different role for me. But you know the people who were when it comes down to brass tacks, the people that cover this team, the people that cover the NHL across, you know, across the NHL landscape. I mean, you know, you saw this all started with a Pierre Lebrun tweet. Well, I mean, Pierre Lebrun's not going to put this down and say, well, you know, I guess they signed him. I guess it's over. You know, like, I mean, it's, it's going to be a point of discussion for media all around, you know, the NHL and basically at this point all around North America, if you want to be honest, Uh, you know, with the hockey media up in Canada and, you know, the blue jackets, I guess, are going to dodge a little bit of a bullet here. Uh, that they're not going to travel to... And I remember when the Blue Jackets went to Montreal, uh, the year that the Panarin and Bobrovsky stuff was going on and, you know, the Montreal media horde, or you go to Toronto, the Toronto media horde, uh, you know, it's just, there, there's 40 people there waiting to ask you this question. Uh, and especially in Montreal it was the one where, it was right, you know, about two weeks before the trade deadline and Panarin got, got sick. He got that gastrointestinal bug. Which led to the great Torts quote, you know, because everyone suddenly starts thinking, (laughs) "Oh, is he being traded? Is he being traded?" And Torts, you know, he's blanking his pants, you know, because he was sick. (laughs) Yeah, and then you had in who occasionally is willing to go off the reservation a little bit compared to the average NHL coach on matters such as these. You know, it's going to be there. It just is. You're right. I mean, it is what it it is. What it is. I keep saying it, but that's that's the deal. Well, I have a
1: question in regard to that, and in in regard to Pierre uh, Luke Dubois. I get when you're not playing. I get when you feel you're not being used correctly. I get when you just have a, I guess, just a clash of personality with personnel. You're playing every day. You're thought of as a premier center in the league. Why do you want out? He he, he pretty much could have carte blanche in Columbus from, from everything I've read. Why does yeah. he want to, is it, is, you know, some guys are family reasons, you know, you see, I, I don't want to go to other sports, but you go NBA and guys want to go closer to home. They, they, they're playing on the East coast. They're from the West coast. They want to go back to the West. I get it. Why, how does, how does that work? And, and, and I, I'm kind of teeing one up for your baiting you on this question. Cause I have a great understanding why, however, why would something like that occur? Why would a player be that unhappy playing substantial minutes in multiple situations in the national hockey league want out of his situation.
3: Yeah. Well, it's tough for me to answer because, you know, I, as much as speculation and rumors get out, you know, I'd, I'd want to hear it from the player, frankly. Yeah. And it's something that he had and he chose to not discuss it as he came to training camp, which is his, his right. Yeah. Um. But, you know, until a player says, here's why I'm not happy, you know, it's all speculation. And so it's tough when you're dealing with, with things as, of speculation, because then you just don't know what the, hundred percent God's honest truth is, and you know, there have been certainly reports of him clashing with torts at times over the years. Uh, We saw during the bubble, there was a time where torts was in his face yelling at him and that just being torts. Um, My sense is that's not the biggest deal. I mean, I do think that there are times where we were PLD kind of rolls his eyes and is like, uh, you know, I think there's times where he's tired of coming to work and getting yelled at as we probably all would be, but I don't think that's enough for him to necessarily want out. Right. Um, to be honest with you, uh, and again, I'm I'm just speculating because we don't know what's in his heart right now. Yeah. Um, and Pierre is is an emotional guy, and and, and you know he I, he sometimes I don't I don't want to I don't want to say this the wrong way uh, because I like him immensely, um, but he is an emotional guy, and sometimes that I think maybe you know affects the way that he thinks about things, and you know, it, it just his personality. You know, it's it's not bad. It just is what who he is. And so, again, I don't know what's in his heart. Um, I, I, there's been some reports out there today uh you know that that you know I'll, I'll just go ahead and say it because they're out there that he may want a bigger stage um if that's something that's you know at the end of the day that was what panarin wanted you know i was gonna say
1: that's what that's what panarin wanted he wanted to go to new york from day one
3: yeah and i don't blame Artemi panarin for that because he i mean he grew up poor in the middle of nowhere russia and wanted to i think he just wanted to play in a city he'd heard of when he was 10 years old uh, and he was a ufa and had that right um it's a little bit different with pierre because i do think he you know they, they drafted him they developed him He's still under team control. He's thought to be a young building block of this team that they have really staked their future on. And so when a guy like that comes to you and says that he, you know, might not want to be there, it's, it's a shot to the heart in a lot of ways and it hurts and it's tough. Um, And so where it goes from here remains to be seen because I'd say there's a lot of speculation out there about it right now. Um, And we'll honestly have to wait and see kind of how it develops from here because who knows what the, the world will be like in four months, just from his perspective, the team's perspective. Things can change. You just never know.
1: Right. So I know we're, we're new into camp. I mean, Columbus started today.
3: Yeah, the first on ice day was today, yes. Okay,
1: so first on ice day was today. And and I know everybody's all excited. Hockey's back. We're going, we're going, we're going. What are your thoughts overall on the Blue Jackets for this season?
3: Uh, well, I, I do like the makeup of the team. Um, you could certainly argue that they need at least could use another high level scoring winger. Um, and especially with Gus Nyquist out, that kind of uh, is a, at least, you know, a, a second or third line winger that you're down in a situation where you probably, you know, people around the league would probably say you needed another one of those guys anyway. But I do like the way that this team is constructed. I, I do think they addressed a major need, which was to shore up the center position. Uh, I think Domi and Koi helped them out quite a bit there um I do think you know with the you know the goaltending that they have uh you need to have good goaltending to be a good team in the NHL and I think they have that you know defensively they still got a really good defensive core even with the trades that they made Uh, from from one to six I really like what they're going to have there um I I, you know even forward wise you know the big bugaboo for this team a year ago was scoring I mean there's no doubt about it they were 27th in the league in scoring uh so as you look at it there's still question marks there but I think you add someone like Domi, I think that's going to help. You know, they were pretty much without Josh Anderson all of last year. So you're, you're adding in a guy, a top level, top six guy for a guy who scored one goal last year. So that's going to help. You know, will Cam Atkinson score more than 10 goals this year? I think that's probably a safe bet. Uh, so you're going to get, you know, probably more out of him. You're going to probably get more out of guys like Alexander Texier and Emil Bemstrom, who were 20 years old last year. So I think they can be a better scoring team. And if you add that all up, I, mean, I think they're a pretty good hockey team. I think they can can probably contend for this division. You know, maybe you want to see that to Tampa cuz Tampa is a juggernaut and Tampa's really good. Um but Tampa's also without, you know, the Hart Trophy winner of uh, 2 years ago. So that drops them down a little bit. You know, Carolina I think is going to contend for the division. And I think the Blue Jackets are right there with those teams and uh it, it it it's the NHL so every team's good and it's always a dogfight to make the playoffs, but I feel You know, and maybe I'm a homer, but I feel pretty good about what they've built here. You know, they've got guys like Seth who are, you know, getting older and coming into their primes and, you know, guys like Morinsky, I think are just going to keep getting better. Uh, You know, a lot of their young guys are just going to keep getting better to the point where uh, you could see them, you know, taking that a little bit of a step this year, in my opinion.
0: It's okay to be a homer, right? (laughs) You know, it is, it is, because you believe in in the, the process of the organization, not only that you work for, but that you cover every day. So that's okay. Well, Jeff... We want to thank you for coming on giving us some insight uh, into uh, this coming season, uh, which hopefully we can get through all 56 games. Uh, And uh, thank you for coming on and and sharing uh, your knowledge with us. We really appreciate it.
3: It was a blast. Anytime.
0: Our next guest is a local high school hockey coach from Rocky River, Ohio. Let's welcome Chris Kogan on air. Our next guest is a longtime listener, first-time caller, good friend of the show and no stranger to high school hockey. For the last 15 years, he has been at the helm of one of the most worried programs in Northeast Ohio. After becoming the head coach of the Rocky River Pirates varsity program, he has continually worked to build a culture of winning that has seen his teams win numerous Baron Cup titles as well as Red Division championships. In 2003, he helped guide his team to the state Final Four, always a man of the people He's a local connoisseur of area restaurants, nacho dishes, and finds time to give back, helping with the youth hockey organization. Newly appointed CEO of the PSP Incorporated. Please welcome on air head coach of the Rocky River Pirates, Chris Gogan. Welcome, Chris. Hey,
1: guys. How are you? Hey, thanks for coming on, Chris. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Doing wonderful. And, And as I read your intro you know, you just, we just got to keep stabbing the heart of 2013, but that's okay. That's all right. We are in charge now. So here we go. (laughs) Here we go. (laughs) Well, Chris, yeah. Thanks for joining us. Hey, for our listeners, uh, talk to us about how you got your start, your background in hockey, and then uh, where you're at today. Well,
4: I mean, I'm a homegrown uh, Rocky River guy. So just uh, played in the Rocky River youth program my whole career and um then after that i was gonna try and play um juniors and went up to pittsburgh and on the last day got cut so that didn't work out real well but uh then chose to go to bowling green i played a year at club at bowling green and came home and started working um and at that time i was uh asked by avon lake uh, they were just starting their program with uh, mike glover as a head coach and i was asked to be the assistant so i was the assistant there for two years. And then um, just so happened that uh, that second year, my brother was also a senior at River and he graduated and the spot opened up on the coaching staff at Rocky River. So I jumped onto that and uh, became an assistant there for, uh, I believe, like three years. And then uh, took over. Uh, Jonathan took a job in Shadyside Academy in, in Pittsburgh. And um, that's when I became the head coach at Rocky River.
1: When did you know you wanted to be a coach? Was it during playing days or was it, did you just be, because you came home and started working, there was, I guess, a void that you, you wanted to stay in hockey? Uh,
4: yeah, that's a great question. I guess like, um, especially after the the first year after I graduated um, I went back and I was helping the guys that, you know, my coaches from high school, Dave Janik, Bob Bailey, um, great guys. And uh, you know, they, they taught me a lot and, and uh, kind of, asked me to come back and, you know, work with the goalie and, and do that kind of thing. And, and, you know, they kind of wrote me in, you know, brought me in and just kind of showed me the ropes a little bit more. And then I really got, you know, I was like, oh, this is pretty cool uh, to give back. And, you know, it was still hanging out, you know, doing, doing what I wanted to do, but just at a, a, you know, as a coach now and not as a player, but, um, you know, I I would give a lot of credit to those guys, especially because they taught me a lot and, and, uh, they showed me a lot.
0: So one of the hardest things that a parent can do in, 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 you know, a lot of parents coach their kids at the youth level um, and, and then, you know, they don't get a chance to to coach their kids uh, through the youth and through the high school level. You know, it's no mystery here in in the Cleveland area that, you know, your son plays for you uh, on the high school team. So as a, how do you separate coach and dad?
4: that's tough that's a tough one um you know and, and what's funny is he is, is he
1: is he sitting right there <laughs>
4: he is not He clearly okay, left the room
0: I asked that respectfully because it is hard chris and 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 i I am I gotta be honest with you I commend you I respect the hell out of you first of all but I respect the hell out of you and because you do such a good job of separating that what I've seen coaching against you watching you play or watching you coach and so how how can our listeners who might be going through this who might be coaching their kids at a youth level or maybe how can they separate that
4: and again it's uh so this is you're right i mean it's it's hard uh this is really my first year of actually coaching christopher i mean he's been in the program for four years um but now i'm hands-on with him like at the varsity level and he, he is our starting goalie um So, you know, I mean, obviously we get in a little bit of of battle here and there on the bench or in the locker room, um, but I try and keep it short and simple and, um, also my assistant coach, um, Greg Duncan, you know, from go with Christopher, he told him, he said, Hey, I played for my dad in high school. He said, it's hard. Like you, you, there's gotta be a separation. And if you need to talk to somebody, he said, I'm here for you because I know exactly what you're going to be dealing with. And it can be, uh, you know, it can be really hard at times. Um, so. I try and keep it off the ice and out of the locker room as much as possible. Um, and then when we get home, it might be another story. Um, <laughs> but even even at home, um, you know, I, we try and talk and then, um, you know, work through things in, in a peaceful manner. And, and if it sometimes it escalates to a little bit more than that, but uh, it's usually short and sweet. And um, he usually gets the point at the end of it. And I, I win again.
1: I, I win again. Of course you do. I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. How, I mean, do you ever find yourself in say the middle of a game or before a game and there's just something you want to say to them, but you're, you're towing that line of dad coach. And I, and I'm sure I'm kind of piggybacking. I'm actually probably asking the same question. Sully just asked you, but are, are there moments when I guess that line blurs? I mean, I know I was watching you and we spoke about this a couple of days ago watching the uh, last weekend and Christopher took a hard shot. I believe his head hit the post and you have to go out there now us watching that. We're joking around, watching you walk to your son. Now you have to separate that has to be coach moment there. However, you're still parent first. You're still dad first. And of course us joking. The first thing we thought you went out there and said was get up. You're ruining my momentum. However, in seeing the play that happened, it, it was a hard hit. It was a hard play rather. And Christopher was a little shaken. How, how, I mean, how do you compartmentalize that in your head to where it's shit? That's my son. But yet, yeah, damn, I'm coach. I, I gotta, I don't know. I don't even know how to ask this yeah. question, Chris.
4: I mean, so, I mean, I mean, you probably saw it first. I, uh, I was the second coach to go on the ice. Um, I asked Greg if he could go out there cause I really didn't want to go down there. Yeah. Um, because you know, he had gotten hit a couple weeks ago and, uh, I went out there and I almost completely had a meltdown, um, complete breakdown because I, I wasn't, when I looked at him, I thought his leg was like broken in two and, yeah. uh, you know, I, am like, here I am, you know, our season, he's, you know, he's a senior, his season's over. Um, you know, the guys around me were all freaked out. And, and I, like I said, I, I had completely, I just turned away and I looked at the Zamboni room cause I didn't know what else to do at that point. Right. And finally, somebody came over and said, he's fine. So again, getting back to that last game when you guys were there, um, I asked Greg to go out, and then as soon as I saw him, kind of like holding his head, I said I better go out here. Number one, because it could be serious, and number two, he's my son. So, yeah. um, you know, but I, I try, I try and have, you know, somebody else always go and be, the, be the first guy.
2: Yeah.
4: Um, well, I- but it, it, yeah, it, it's it's hard, it's challenging, and and I don't, um, you know, there was never a time that I actually thought I would be at this day in coaching my son in high school. Um, but you know, I mean, 15 years later, here I am, you know, <laughs> and I'm, I'm flying.
1: Well, man, you're in, you're in a unique position, an envious position, um, not an easy position whatsoever. And, and I mean, we've known you for so long. You, you've always been first class, no matter who the player was or what the situation was. And it's, it is actually from, as an outside point of view, it is a lot of fun to watch. It's a lot of fun to get get to see you spend that time with your son to coach your team the way you normally coach your teams and have that dynamic of your son being a part of it, which is, it's just a lot of fun.
4: Um Yeah. I appreciate that. I appreciate the kind words. And, you know, it's funny you say that because, uh and this is kind of scary and sad too, but you know, we're, we're trying to get stuff together for senior night and uh Kelly's like, we don't have any pictures of you and Christopher in hockey year. And I'm like, <laughs> well, that's probably because he's usually on the ice and I'm usually like standing on the bench somewhere. Like, so it's not like he can come off the ice and I'm standing right there with him. Um, well,
1: do you, do you have a picture of maybe you and the horsehair pads from 95? Maybe you can don them one, one last time just to stand next to your son. Cause that well, setup, that setup he has is pretty sharp.
4: You like that? I do. So, uh, you know, what's funny is I, I was just rifling through some pictures and uh, all of a sudden there was one of me, my senior year. And if, if you don't look close, you're really not sure if it's myself or my son. So that's awesome. Uh, we, we, yeah, we had to do a double take. So it's uh it it is pretty crazy.
0: I think the only difference was the uh, actual brown and white waffle.
4: Wow. Well, I mean, you know, yeah. Oh
0: gosh. Wow. So right now to our listeners, Chris is showing us on the zoom the picture and honestly that's scary, Chris.
4: Yeah. It is scary. That is that scary. is scary. Did you notice I didn't have a brown waffle either?
0: Well, that's shocking because well, he, because he thought, spray painted it. Yeah. Spray painted it maroon.
4: <laughs> you know, and those pads, those pads I was wearing were from, um, AJ sporting goods.
1: Oh yeah. Oh, oh. Uh-huh. was that, was that a front door or back door deal out of AJ's? Whoa. <laughs> well, did I say that out loud? I'm sorry. My bad. He goes, Excuse Whoa. me. Did I did I say that out loud? Excuse me. <laughs> I didn't mean that.
4: I had well, to work for those.
1: Hey, outside <laughs> yeah. that's why I lost an edge. Um, I, I don't want to switch gears again, but I do. I, I like going down the, the memory road with you. Can you talk to us about 2013 and that run to the final four?
4: Yeah. Um... Talk to us
1: about that year and just how it, I guess, how it culminated and how, I don't want to say everything came together because you guys run a hell of a run throughout the entire year. You guys, you guys were just banging, clanging and banging the whole year. And you see it through, through to fruition to getting to the final four. I know it didn't end the way you wanted it to, but, Still, the fact that you made that is just it was a fun run for you guys.
4: Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And, um, you know, I, it's funny, like I sit back and I can even think about right now the banquet uh, at the season prior to that. Right. So we're, you know, I'm saying my goodbyes and obviously, you know, you don't want to see anybody go away. But I, I remember specifically saying, like, unfortunately, you know, you seniors won't be here, but I think we got a great returning class. And, uh, and I, I can see us going to the next level, um, you know, and and proceeding in the States and, um, yeah, it was, it was a fantastic year. And, um, I I also remember telling Eric Spurley early in the year, I said, I was standing on the bench at a, right before practice, or I said, uh, you guys make it to the final four. I'll get a tattoo. Um, I still don't have that tattoo, but,
0: uh, you know, what, 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 what what were you going to get?
4: Well, I was going to kind of leave it up to them, but that got a little scary. Yeah.
1: That
4: got a little scary.
1: Yeah. You can't leave it up to them.
4: Yeah. You'd
1: have a full back piece by the, if you left it. Yeah. And, you know,
4: and, and unfortunately, I have a, I have a, an out now. Like I'm on blood thinners. I don't think I can get a tattoo anymore. Um,
0: (laughs) No, 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 it's a good out. It's a good out. So, I mean,
4: I don't, I I don't really want the out, but, um, getting back to, you know, so it's just, we had a great team. Um, the guys just, you know, they continue to work hard. Um, and then just the, uh, the amount of people that were backing us in the city. Um, you know, it was just, it, just the excitement every day. Um, you know, and it actually got a little crazy, um, in the, you know, during the States and obviously after, you know, with everybody coming in and people sending us this and wanting to, you know, hang out and do this and that. And it, it was actually a little overwhelming. And I think it took, um, I think it kind of, it didn't ruin it, but, um, we weren't extremely, we weren't as focused as I think we should have been, um, heading into that game. So I say to myself now, if if we ever get back there, we're gone like the week before, um, (laughs) just, just to get away and, you know, and and go and be with, be with the guys and then just get practice sheets wherever and and just be away, um, and and get focused and be prepared. Um, and yeah, no, it didn't end the way we wanted to, um, it was it was a, it was an awesome ride, um, you know. And, and the and the the more important thing I think about even that team and all the other ones that I've coached is the guys that continue to come back. Um, just not even you know for the alumni game. The alumni game is awesome. We have a huge turnout every year. Obviously, this we couldn't have one this year. Um, but just the guys that stop in the rink just to say hi. Uh, that that's what I think is more important to me out of anything. Um, but the final four is huge. Um, obviously winning a state is, 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 you know, what everybody's ultimate goal is. Um, and, you know, hopefully we'll get back to there sometime before I retire.
0: Yeah. And I, and I, and I have to say this in, um, our listeners probably don't know this, but, uh, Lev and I were on the opposite bench of that district final game and the, the game, uh, the way that, that Rocky river played that game, um, was brilliant. It, it was brilliant. I mean, you guys go down to nothing after the first period, but you guys just kept hitting us knowing that we played five overtimes two nights ago. And it was, I, I just, Lev and I kind of chuckled on on the bench and said, we would have done the same damn thing. Absolutely. And, and it was, it was brilliant coaching. And, and what I do want to say though, most importantly is on am both teams that day. Um, but your team goes down to nothing after the first and they stay just as level and calm. And, and, and I, I mean, at Brooklyn, those benches are right next to each other. So I, yeah. you know, I, it might've been different in the locker room. I don't know, Chris, but level and calm. And this is our plan and stick to the plan. And, you know, I mean, it, it was, I, I, I never obviously as a head coach like losing, but right. when I had to, when, when, when I, I left the rink that day, I was so happy, and I can speak for love. I was so happy for you. Um, I mean, that district final was—and let's call it what it is, Chris. That district final that year was two teams that nobody ever thought had a chance to be there.
4: Hundred percent, right, right.
0: And so, uh, you know, that kind of—I want to say—that year kind of flipped some some script here in Cleveland hockey. Of you know, different teams can make it to to the district finals in the final four. So. But what what your team did that year, uh, of and I, and I have to say this: going down two nothing after one and just staying level in a sold out Brooklyn Arena, which is none of our kids have ever been there, none of your kids ever been there.
4: That's by far the like the the greatest, by far right. the greatest atmosphere ever. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, you couldn't you couldn't even walk to the <clears throat> bench without like stepping over somebody or like what <laughs> it, it was unbelievable. I mean, it was crazy.
0: Yeah, and and so. You know, that was, I, you know, I, I, I think I said it to you that night and I'll say it to you now, six years later, of course I was, I was, I was sad that we didn't win, but I was so, I was so happy for you and your guys. Cause I knew a lot of your guys as well, you know, mm-hmm. to be able to right. experience it, to be able to experience that. So, so this year it's 50 years of the Baron cup and, uh, you guys have had a pretty darn good run in the Baron cup. Um, Talk to us and our listeners a little bit about uh, now that, you know, we talked to uh, uh, the commissioner of your league and he said, there's going to be no standings. Everybody makes the the Baron cup. Talk to us a little bit about that. How do you feel about that?
4: Uh, I mean, yeah, it's a, obviously it's a crazy year and um, you know, I'm just glad that we're going to be able to, you know, play in the Baron cup. Um, It'll be definitely different, you know, with no standings, you know, the league games are in place. Um, If we can play, we'll play. Um, But yeah, it's going to be uh, different because everybody's going to make it. So I'm not sure how they're going to do seating at this point. Um, you know, they said, we'll come back, you know, and have a meeting prior to uh, the end of the year and, and figure out how they're going to get everybody involved. Um, or I guess you could opt out if you want to. I'm not, I'm not really sure. Um, but, yeah, it's huge. 50 years. And, you know, it's just Ryan did an awesome job, you know, as far as the publicity and getting that logo at Center Ice over there, um, you know, to get the word out. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's just, I'm, I'm just glad that the kids are going to be able to, to play and, uh, and, and be part of it. I mean, it's, it's just, it's what you play. I mean, it's the first step, you know what I mean? You, you play for your, you play for your division, which we don't have. So now you're going to play for Baron cup and then, you know, you, you focus on, on the next level of the state, but, um, it's, uh, it, it hopefully it'll be good. Hopefully we'll get the games in and teams will be able to play and compete.
1: Chris, for, for some of our listeners that, that are from out of the Cleveland area and may not know, uh, the Baron cup is the, basically the league tournament, correct?
4: Yeah. Your city championship, right. At, yeah. And there's different levels as the red, the white and, and the blue. So there's a Baron cup for each of those levels. Correct.
1: And, and what is that atmosphere? Like, I'm not saying in relation to say a district final, I know they're two separate. However, what does a Baron Cup championship, and you, you guys have a boatload of them over there in your trophy case, probably half of them are right behind you at that nice mirror you got there, but what does what does a Baron Cup victory mean to a greater Cleveland high school hockey player, to a Cleveland hockey player? What what does that special trophy mean to, to a player?
4: Well, I mean, you know, you think about it, like for a lot of kids, um, that might be like you know, their state championship almost. I mean, that's like, you know, something that they're really playing for. That's their, you know, they've played their 10 league games or 13 league games and, and got, you know, got to the level where they can qualify for it. And, you know, they're playing for a big trophy. Um, And, you know, it's on a like big said, stage,
1: on a big yeah, stage too,
4: on a big stage. And yeah, it's a big building. And a lot of times there are, um you know, it's not nearly, like you said, not nearly as packed as uh, a district final game or, or, you know, get, and deep into this, but, um, there's fans that go, it, it gets a little rowdy in there. It gets, you get some energy going. Um, so yeah, I mean, some of these kids, like I said, that, that might be, you know, the, the biggest thing that they play for and, you know, good for them and, and, and let them, you know, let them have fun and, you know, and, and do that kind of thing. But, you know, and yeah, we've, we've been there. Um, we haven't had very much success the last few years. Uh, mentors had our, our number the last couple of times, but you know, it, it's, it's good. It, it's, it shows that, you know, everybody's out there to compete and there's no easy games and, you know, you got to play the game. You got to play 45 minutes of the game in order to take that thing home.
1: Right now, kind of along the same lines where you said that, you know, to some guys, this is, this could be their state championship. There's talk uh, throughout the state of possibly going to two divisions for a state tournament. What are your thoughts on, on that possible move?
4: Uh, I, I think it's probably a good move. Uh, I'm very curious to know how they would, um, potentially separate those, um, divisions and what kind of, like how they would allow movement, how you would figure out, you know, where, if you're on the top or the bottom or, you know, in one or two or however you're going to put it. Um, Do you think there should
1: be more than two? Do you think there should be three or do you think two is a good number?
4: I think probably two is a good number. I don't think, I mean, you know, they're already, we're already kind of stretching it a little thin I think with the number of teams that we have in Ohio but um I think it's a I think it's a probably a pretty good move because you know it's it's unfortunate that you know some of the lower seeded teams have to play some of those games and it's not fun um you know it, it's not fun for them and it it's it, it's not fun for us really or anybody that has you know that beat, wins by 10 goals it's not it's not you don't want to go out there I mean you know one of my ADs told me one time, you know, it goes around, it comes around. So just remember, um, you know, the times you do this to some of these guys, you never know, you know, what's in it for you later on down the road. Right.
0: Um,
4: you know, and, and you, you don't, you want to get out of there, um, healthy and you want the other team to get out of there healthy, but you know, you still got to play the game. You got, it's just, you know, it's part of things. thing. So I, I believe, I believe it's a good move. Um, but like I said, I'm curious to know how they would, uh, possibly, divide and split and, uh, and, and allow, uh, and allow for movement. If, uh, if I one want- year I said, I'm going to be, I want to be in the, the top. And then the next year or the next three years, I know that I'm having down years. I don't want to be stuck in there. So are you going to be allowed to, you know, to bounce back and forth?
0: I don't, I don't think there can be, in just my personal opinion, I and we've talked about this Chris before, I don't think there can be, I don't think you should have a team or an organization ha- should have the option. I think there's got to be some sort of barometer of like saying, all right, at, at, at team twenty five in a ranking or whatever may be, those teams are in the top or in the I don't know. I hate to say the top, but those are up here and then the twenty six down play for the division two. Right? Right. So right. so one year, if you if a team is down, they may not be in the top twenty five. Right? Right. But what scares me about that is ten games to go in the season and you're going to be team eighteen. I mean, hell, yeah. no, we kind of saw it in the NFL last night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah. Uh, what would, what would stop you from, you know, saying, all right, I'm going to try to get down to, right. I'm going to try to get down to 26.
4: Yeah. I mean, that's, I, what scare,
0: that's what scares me. But yeah. I don't think if we say, if we say, okay, teams, you haven't, you have a choice to go into whatever bracket you want before the season, you have to choose before the season. I mean, I think we're going to get, I think you'd probably end up getting, I don't know uh eight ten teams
4: right yeah yeah i i i agree with you i agree with you it's um you know and like like we've talked about before i mean the discussions on the table and and let's see you know what happens from here um
1: i'm gonna put you on the spot what would you do how would how would you how would you how hold on how would you (laughs) put this format together what would, what would be your criteria in your mind right now, this second? What would be your criteria?
0: Come on, we've all thought about it, right? So we, we all I have mean, our, our, our own ideas.
4: No, I mean, I I agree 100 percent with what you just said, Tim. Like, I, I think you know, you I don't I won't. I'm not a big fan of uh, my hockey rankings, but you know, I think they're they're pretty accurate. You know, they're within a couple here or there. But um, I, it would have to be some. It would have to be something like that you that's how you 100% would have to divide it you know you'd have to take your your strength of schedule and all that kind of stuff and and do that i mean that's the, i think that's the only fair way to do it right i mean what what
2: well
0: no no i i agree but okay so again and, and i i i just started honestly i just started looking at my ranking or my hockey rank i don't even know what the hell it's called Uh, like in in the last year, I didn't, I didn't even know the thing existed. So if you, if you take that, uh, program or, or those, you know, strength of schedules, all the other stuff, do you have an, do you have an independent person from, uh, the state of Ohio run something or do you just take it from them and let them do it? And and the problem I have, the problem I have with my hockey rankings is uh, some of it's not accurate, right?
4: No, I mean, mean, exactly.
0: you know, this as well as I do, you, you, you play a scrimmage and next you know, it shows up on my ranking or my hockey ranking. And you're like, well, I didn't even play that game. That was a scrimmage. I got
4: got one in there right now.
0: Right. So, so
1: so what about something uh, and maybe this is a movement vehicle or or a way to deter the movement in everyone's in everyone's uh, conference, if you will, there's already set up a vehicle to move. So if you are, let's just say Cleveland in greater Cleveland, high school hockey, red, white, and blue if you're in red you're basically in this one if you are white or blue you are in this one and if your league is moving you the following season that will determine one or two so one it could possibly get rid of the tanking if you will mm-hmm. so it doesn't matter you are in the red division in in Toledo you're going one you're you know you know what i mean you're going to this this section let's just call it one
0: two i think all leagues in in our state between here in cleveland between the toledo uh the capital league and the swole i think they all have that red they all have that tier right yeah yeah
1: so you take you take you take all the reds if you will and you rank them and there's your bracket and you take white blue or just white i believe i don't believe toledo has blue I thought it was red, white, whatever, whatever the situation may be. I think so. I you think take that right. and, and you mix it up or you, you, you bracket that up and, and away we go. But yeah. in order to, in, in the or in order to keep away from the tanking aspect, put it on the individual conferences, the individual leagues, if you will, they already have their movement, their movement vehicle in place. Now just right. let that dictate who goes where. I mean, just again, my own opinion and outside thought, but yeah
4: no i I, I mean I, I think that's great too. and you know, because yeah, there's no really other way to do it. you can't obviously you can't do it by student population, which you know the other the other sports do. I mean, you, there's no way to do it like that. Hockey's unique in in that sense that like you know they're like, well, what's your conference Well, I don't people ask me, what's your conference I don't have a conference like we don't we're not in the school conference. that's not how hockey <laughs> operates. so right. and that's like like we're getting back to what you're saying, Lev, is like that's their vehicle right you there's movement every year like you there could be huge movement Yeah, I mean guys jumping from the blue you know up to the top white or wherever it may be so you know and or from the red down to the blue like you you really don't know I mean it depends on you know the PSP and and who you got coming in and um you know how you can uh how you can respond
0: let's kind of talk uh about this year and you know and and, you know, we can we can cut this out, Chris. If you want to, you can tell us we don't have to cut it out. But, um, you know, obviously we're we're affected by a major pandemic right now. Um, Chris, you you as good friends of ours, you've had a rough year yourself, and um, you know we're so we're so happy as friends to hear that you're doing better health wise. But how first of all, how are you doing, and how has this COVID affected your season? Have you been shut down? How has it affected you personally?
4: Um, yeah. Well, first of all, I uh, I do appreciate you guys um, reaching out all the time and asking uh, you know how I'm doing. Um, I think the first, well, not the first time I was listening to your show, but uh, one of the times I was listening to your show, I had just gotten out of the hospital, and uh, is when you guys you know had given me a little shout out, you know, hoping that I get better, and I was sitting in the middle of Lake Erie trying to relax um, on a boat. So, uh, I was like, Oh, that's perfect. That's right where you need to be. Huh? Nobody can bother you. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, um, it's, uh, as far as COVID. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, we've been shut down twice. Um, so we had our four scrimmages and then got shut down. Um, we came back, we were just about to come back. Actually we were allowed back and then a the school put us on a one week non competition pause. Um, so in that whole time right there, that first time, um, you know, we lost our Thanksgiving tournament and, uh, I believe two league games. And then, um, and then we got hit again, um, for another two weeks. Um, so it, it, in all that, we lost seven total games. Um, and during that second stretch, um, you know, good or bad, right. Most of my team has now had it, um, luckily nobody got anything bad. It was all, they were all very mild cases. Um, including the coaching staff, uh, all of us have had it. Um, and, and luckily for me, like, you know, with all my stuff I got going on, like I just had sinus pressure in my eye, like nothing, nothing crazy. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's totally affected, you know, me personally, um, number one, like you guys say, like not only I a coach, but I'm a father of a player that's in my house. Um, you know, and you can just see the, the, the frustration, um, day in, day out when, when we're stuck inside at home and not being able to go and skate when you used to skating every day. Um, so, you know, I've told people before, like, I remember last year when this all started and I felt bad for the athletes that weren't able to play lacrosse or, or baseball or whatever sport they were in and for the coaches that were involved. Um, but I wasn't, I wasn't in it like I am now. And it is really, uh, it, it's really, oh, you know, a game changer when you're a coach, a father, you know, and you work in the rink, you don't see activity going on in there. It's weird. It's kind of, it's kind of actually scary when you don't see yep. the rinks crowded and, and little kids all over the ice and open skates and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so with that being said, I mean, I, I to the, at this point, um, my team now is, um, we're, scot-free as long as we can find an opponent to play we're going to be playing um for the rest of the year um I just have a handful of guys that you know have not had it and um you know so they'll have to quarantine but the rest of us are good and um you know I lost those seven games I thought I'd get a couple games under my belt before I hit Ignatius and St. Francis and that didn't work out in my favor so I jumped right into the game situation against St. Francis and Ignatius and um you know and then we played in the Walsh tournament. So we've been playing in some big games and right in the Ignatius tournament. So we're playing big games now. And I told the guys, I said, this is what it's going to be for the rest of the year. If we want to play and there's open spots and open tournaments, um, we're going to be pay- playing at a different level. And, and we just got to get used to it. We got to get better and, you know, and, and be prepared for, you know, the state or, you know, Baron cup states the- and that kind of thing. Um, and I think the guys have handled it well, uh, you know, our record, I-, I think we're one game under 500, four and five, maybe, um, but we've we've competed for the most part um in, in our games and i and i'm happy with with what we have we you know we've had guys out with injury and and everything else so um i am happy with what's going on and i'm just glad to be back on the ice back in the ice rink on a daily basis and back to be with the, you know with the team on a daily basis
0: you know i would i would say as a as a fellow coach you know the, the, that and you you mentioned your record is is one game below 500 but you know, I, I think we all as coaches have to take like our records right now and just put them, put them to the side because what our, our players are doing, and you know this, Chris, uh, and for our, our listeners that aren't like taking kids to the rink every day, you know, we're, we're asking our players who usually have a routine of getting to a rink an hour and a half beforehand, getting a stretch, playing some soccer, you know, one touch, um, getting themselves in a, in, a, in a game situation routine. Now we're asking them, well, we're not asking them, someone else is asking them to stand outside until 15 minutes before the game time, right. rush in the rink, put your equipment on and be ready to play in 15 minutes with a five minute warm-up. So all of our kids on all these teams are, are are doing an unbelievable job as 14 to 18 year olds of adapting to situations that are not normal for them and, and Chris, you're raising high school age kids just like I am when things aren't normal. Oh, God forbid. Right.
4: <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, sure. Yeah. and
0: and and they're just they're going with it. And and you know what? We can't. I commend all of our players, all of our coaches on all these teams, whether it's basketball, wrestling, hockey. It doesn't matter. And I know I'm missing uh, sports um, that are just going with the flow and adjusting. something that's not normal so that we can just get out there and play. And, And I I'd like to see the stat. I really would. I'd like to see the stat of second period and third period play compared to
1: first period.
4: Yeah, for sure. For sure. No, you're, I mean, you're, you're spot on. I mean, yeah, these kids are used to just coming in and doing their own thing for, you know, 15, 20, 25 minutes before they go in the locker room and actually start getting ready for the game. Well, yeah, that ain't happening anymore. Like, you know, there's kids that are coming in, with their bottoms on minus their skates, you know, it, yeah. you don't, know, you know, brings you back to might hockey, right? When you're right. taking your kids into the rink, whatever. And all right, all we got to do is put his skates and helmet on and boom, he's out on the ice. Um, Yeah, it's, it's, I, I agree. I, I think that's, uh, you know, I never really thought about that just thinking about the second and third period, but, you know, kids are probably finally just getting warmed up. They're just getting into the swing of things and, and ready to roll.
0: You know, I say, I say to our, I say to our kids all the time when we have to do this, we go in after the after the first period to get an ice cut. I'm like, all right, things are now normal now because we're getting an ice cut and things are now getting normal. You know, yeah. um, you can't steal that, by the way. That's mine. If you steal it, it's it's a plate of Asian nachos every time that you. Uh, uh, where, do
1: you where do you get those at?
0: Uh, I don't know. We'll some get to that.
1: Don't worry. We'll get to that. We've no, no, no.
0: Question. Some restaurant that you always tell eleven I to go with you. So whatever. Uh, <laughs> no, but 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 I mean honestly, let's. I mean. You have you have your own beautiful locker room at your rink. In a non-COVID time, if you had a let's just say you had a, a five o'clock game, what time would the kids get there?
4: I mean, they're probably rolling in at three thirty. Right. Like, right. Just chilling, you know, doing, doing like I said, like you said, like doing their thing, like I, taping their stick, just sitting
1: in their stall, whatever. I mean, being with their teammates. Yeah, being with their teammates. Yeah, yeah,
0: and, and, and as hard as this is, that's another part of, you know, I mean, <laughs> hockey's a, 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 a kind of a, a, a different breed when it comes to locker rooms, right? I mean, you don't have like in baseball or, or, I mean, football, you have your locker room. Man, there's guys that show up two hours before just to get the radio on, just to get the tape on their stick, just to get whatever, right? And yeah. and that's also taken away as well. and And they're adjusting to that. And I commend all these players for that.
4: Yeah, absolutely. It's, it is tough. I mean, you know, and, and and it's rink to rink, right? I mean, one rink's a half hour, one rink's 15 minutes, we're 45 minutes. I mean, so it, it just depends. And, I mean, 15 minutes is not a lot of time, like you said. I we, mean, were a, we
0: were at a rink the other night, Chris. Game was at seven ten. Both teams were standing out at the door at 6-55. By the time every player got checked in, it was seven oh five. And how in the hell do they expect these kids to get dressed in five minutes and on the ice?
1: Right. Right.
0: I and mean the, I, we are, and the compressors were down, so there was no uh, it was all dry cut. I'll just leave it that. I'll just leave it there.
1: Oh, well oh hey, 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 but open skate went off without a hitch.
0: Oh yeah, that's a that's a crazy thing. Uh, don't both, even get me started te- now. Both
1: both teams are V'd at the door. Okay. I don't care if this gets edited out. Both teams are V'd at the door. Don't edit it out.
0: Why would you edit and there's it?
1: There is a steady stream up the middle of people going to open skate.
4: Just right through you guys,
1: right through us, right through us. Here's the best part. Here's the best part. You know, again, routine guys get there. Sometimes they have to use the restroom, whatever they do in there is whatever they do in there, but they have to go to the restroom guys, both squads are trying to go in and say, our, our gear is outside. We just need to use the restroom. It was flat said to them, you need to pay for open skate. If you want to come in.
4: Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's So uh, every,
1: every, every venue, like you said, is different and I get there are rules. Don't get me wrong. I understand. And and a nice woman that was at the door, she, she had an unenviable position of having to make these statements and say these things, but the rules, right. rules. I, you know,
4: like you said, like I, I walked in uh, to a rink last week and I was five minutes early of when I was supposed to be in there. And she said, you can't come in for five more minutes. And I said, Whoa, all right. Sorry. Like, do I need to do anything? Do you need anything? nope, I just need you to go outside and come back in five minutes. I was like, we'll make that happen.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I don't know. But, but anyhow, uh, you know, there's just adjustments that, that I want. I really do want our listeners and I want our, the parents of our players and, and the people that, that watch high school sports to understand the changes that these kids are making on a daily basis just to do what they love. And so, hmm. like right now, when we talk about records, whether you're undefeated, whether you're 500, whether you're below 500, I, I would I would just throw that all out the window, and say these kids are doing really, really well, really well, amid yeah. all the different uh, all the different variables that they have to they have to uh, do. But listen, there, there's there's the, the the days of us when we played, of take of of playing a game, taking a shower in the locker room. And then going out and getting something to eat with your, your buddies, they don't get to experience any of that. Yeah. It, it's, no. it's 15 minutes in a locker room. You can't shower. You're a stinky mess. You got to, some, some people walk out with after gear on, like you said, and, and, and you go home because the curfew's at 10 o'clock.
4: Yeah. And you're right. I mean, like, to, you know, to your point about how early would they get there, right? How late would they stay after a game? Yeah. Right. How late would they stay? They might not even shower for 40 minutes after the game.
0: (laughs) How many many times has the three of us said, let's go.
4: Yeah. Right. (laughs) Like, I don't have all night. Like you guys, whatever you want to sit here. That's awesome. I think it's great, but I don't want to sit here the rest of the night.
0: Yeah. Why? Um, Did you you have something going on, Chris?
4: I mean, I, you know, back in the day I might have, but not anymore.
1: (laughs) They don't serve serve the mimosas till 9am, buddy. I don't know what you're talking about.
4: I live a, a pretty simple life now.
1: <laughs> well, to switch to hey, switch Jay, gears, Jay, Jay, oh, Jay, ahead, those sorry, were bottomless, though. By the way, right? Oh, of course, of course. Yeah, That's yeah. why he was there at eight fifty. You know, he had his routine too. Ten minutes before they start serving him, he was at the at the venue. <laughs> those
0: were for Kelly. Uh
1: huh. I know. Oh, yeah. I know. Okay, okay. She All may right. she may have been the name on the order, but <laughs> <laughs>
0: kind of like the yeah. name on the computer right now.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Funny. Funny. I'm going to switch gears one more time and go back to the actual coaching and playing. Um, This is not an arguable statement. However, it's worded this way. What does it mean to you to have arguably one of the best programs in the state year in and year out and don't be humble.
4: Well, I mean, I appreciate those uh, kind words, Um, you know, and, and obviously, but
0: but they're, but they're factual words, Chris.
4: I appreciate that as well. Um, You know, it's, number one, um, I, I think, right. It obviously helps that we're in Rocky river. Uh, we have a rink in our own city. Uh, we have a great youth program. Um, so having a feeder program right there, uh, it makes it a lot easier. And, uh, as long as I can PSP them, you know, to, to ride the, ride the bus here, it, uh, you know, it, uh, it, it helps, you know, and, and, And then the kids, like just the kids, they're, they're, they're always a great group of kids. I don't, I don't, have never had, I've never said, oh my, this is this group, you know, look out, um, you know, we're in for it. Um, I've had a lot of large groups, um, which I don't know if that's good or bad. Um, you know, like last few years, I've had a lot of eight, 10 seniors. Uh, I got 10 more this year, you know, so, so you just pray. I just pray that I continue to bring in as many as I'm losing uh, in order to you know continue to to one have a JV program, which I think is another huge um, benefactor to to our program. Um, it's It's just you know it helps. I, I believe it helps keeping kids from going away. um because if we didn't have a JV program, right, then they'd say, well, I can go here. I might not play varsity wherever it may be, right? as a freshman or a sophomore, but I, I can definitely play uh for my for the high school um instead of you know because you know as well as I do like kids when they're freshmen they don't some of them may want to go back and play for their youth team or their rec program but most of them want to play for their school um i, I think it means a lot more um you know wearing your school jersey so um you know it's just uh like i said i, I think having our youth program here and and you know trying to be as visible as possible in the rink. Um, not only as an employee there, you know, but with the youth program, um, like I said, we, we've, we used to work a lot, do a lot of practices with these kids, like our, our varsity guys. Um, but we've obviously had to get away from that and it just, it got a little difficult. Um, but we just try and be visible. I try and retain the kids that are in our program that are residents and just try and build off of that. I mean, you know, there's, there's only so much we can do. Um, And then I have like, I have a great coaching staff that helps me and and really, you know, it's not me. Um, It's, it's, it's our whole program. It's our whole staff. Um, And and like I said, they they all just helped me. And, you know, I, I expect a lot. Um, I, I'll never forget a comment. Like we were, we had just won the Baron cup and I was not happy. And one of my players looked at me and he said, are you ever happy? And I said, yeah, I'm happy, but it's just, you know, there, it's not enough. Yeah. You know, there, there's more, there's more to this. Um, you know, let's, let's continue. Let's get better off of this. And, and you know, they kind of just looked at me like I was crazy because we they had just won the Baron cup and, and here I am upset at them. Um, but, you know, I, I, I expect a lot and, and the kids, they know when to, um, they know when to go. They know when to, when I'm a little bit loosey-goosey and you know and they can get away with some things but and it's not very often um so i I give a lot of i give a lot of credit to these kids too um because they they just come in and and they kind of know you know what's what's expected and how to and how to go from there
1: i think one thing you didn't say i guess straight up is the culture you've built and created and that's a hard thing for a lay person to understand you know you play hockey for from the time you're young to most guys till they're 18 years old. And then they go into the the senior leagues and the, and the beer leagues and all that, that what you've created on a consistent level, Chris, and this is so damn hard to do is you've created a culture where there is no doubt. We could play you tomorrow night. I know what we're getting. We could play you Sunday. I know what we're getting. I we could play you five years ago, 10 years ago. I know what we're getting. That's a culture and that's Did a hard you know- thing to develop.
4: Eh? Did you know when I was going to throw 22 out there in that overtime, though? I sure as hell did. You, you want me to keep one? you
1: want it? Hey, let me ask you a quick question. 2013, you win that on a Wednesday. You have Thursday off play Friday. Was that correct? Or was it Thursday, day off Friday, play Saturday? No, no, no,
0: no, no. They won it on a
1: Tuesday. Okay. So you had two days off. Did you bag skate your guys the next day? Remember. Did you bag skate you your guys the next day? Answer my question. No. I know the answer. Don't bull. Don't lie to me. I talked to donks. He told me.
2: <laughs> so,
4: somebody must've started practice off on the wrong foot then.
1: I'm sure. No, but it, it's a culture. It's, in, Chris, and it's, it's a culture. The, it's, it, it's a culture in the city of Rocky river. It's a culture in the youth program. You've, you've, you've done a hell of a job with that. And I commend you for that. Well, you, thank and, you. you and your staff. Cause I know you have a hell of a staff there.
0: Thank oh, you. Yeah. Well, Hey Coach. uh, thanks for joining us tonight. Thanks for uh, giving insight of your background, uh, Rocky River High School, Rocky River Youth Organization, um, where you hope this program can continually go. uh, And, you know, I I really appreciate the talk on on the two uh, different divisions. I I think that was a good conversation that a lot of people in the state of Ohio need to continue to hear. Um, Absolutely. So uh, stay healthy, my friend. Uh, We will see you soon. And uh, uh, we really appreciate you coming on. Good luck the rest of the way. And uh, we'll talk to you.
4: All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me, and good luck to you guys.
0: Thank you. All right. See you, Chris. See
4: you you at the Bruco.
0: This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest On Air podcast is brought to you by the United States Premier Hockey League. Find out how to try out for a junior hockey team in your area at usphl.com. It is so great to be talking about the NHL hockey and not have to be hypothetical conversation these days. Uh, the talk with Jeff Sabota, uh from the Bluejackets.com uh, kind of really brought home uh, that the season is right around the corner, and some really good information about what's going on. I, I thought it was I thought it was very interesting, uh, that you talked about only four goaltenders uh, were in camp.
1: Yeah, I know. In in uh, early stages of what they were going to do, there was you're allowed unlimited goaltenders in camp, and Columbus only has what the four, so. They have some decisions to make. I thought it was interesting to hear from uh, uh employee of the Blue Jackets, if you will, personnel, if you will, from Jeff and and his insight into the past of the Blue Jackets, you know, the recent past with you know Panarin and, and Bobrovsky and, and to Josh Anderson and and uh Pierre-Luc Dubois and all that. And it's real, so it's starting. They started today first on our session, so it's real. There, there's going to be hockey, some way, shape, or form, taxi squad and current NHLers and eventually the American league and some East coast league teams are playing as well. So it's, it's good that I guess in an uncommon, unnormal era or time frame, I guess we're getting some sort of normalcy, whatever that may be.
0: And it was a good time to, uh, it was good to catch up with Chris Kogan for Rocky river high school. You know, Chris, you know, we've had a long, long relationship with Chris as good friends and um, you know, he's in the long line of high school coaches that we've spoken to, who are dealing with uh, different challenges, whether it's rink closures, restrictions, uh, even their own school administrators, uh, but doing everything they can to get the kids back on the ice and have some hockey season for them. And, and it was nice to catch up with what is arguably one of the premier programs in the state year in and year out.
1: Yeah, Chris does a hell of a job, uh, always has. Uh, there's no doubt in our minds that, that he will continue and, and he will. Um, just listening to his own battles of adversity over the course of this summer and, and into the fall and now battling with his team through the COVID uh, pandemics and the shutdowns, the restarts, the shutdowns, the restarts. It's, it's never ending in, in the adversity level. And uh, again, Chris does a heck of a job with his organization over there and he's always puts a good product on the ice and we've been trying to get Chris on for a while. So I'm glad the logistics worked out this week.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, on the back end of the Christmas holiday where we're normally unwrapping gifts, episode 35 just wrapped up and it was a great show. We're going to continue to grow the game the best we can. This is On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest
2: podcast.